The Athletic Podcast Network is supported by the Quip Electric Toothbrush, the Tesla of toothbrushes. Most people's oral care habits could be better. We often brush for less than two minutes and use old, worn-out bristles. Well, Quip makes having a fresh, healthy mouth easy and convenient. Their electric toothbrush pulses every 30 seconds, so you clean your mouth evenly, and they deliver brush head refills every three months, like dentists recommend. Get your first refill free at getquip.com slash listen. That's getquip.com slash listen. For the Athletic Podcast Network, I'm Kate Scott. This is The Update. On today's show, Giants pitchers and catchers reported to Arizona on Tuesday. So we figured it was about darn time that we got caught up on the final few off-season wheelings and dealings for the Orange and Black with Giants columnist Grant Brisby, including why Farhan in the front office brought Hunter Pence back to San Francisco, how Wilmer Flores, Drew Smiley, and others will fit in, what effect the recent sign-stealing scandal may have on Barry Bonds' next attempt to get into the Hall of Fame, and why former Giants skipper Dusty Baker is the right man to try to fix that mess down in Houston. It's Friday, February 14th. Well, hello there, Mr. Brisby. Happy Valentine's Day to you and everyone listening today. Valentine's Day means the off-season's over. So uh, let's start there, wondering what the highlight of your off-season was. You can go personally, professionally, take it wherever you want, Grant. Yeah, oh boy. Personal, I, it, we had a lovely uh, Thanksgiving and holiday season with the family. And then I'm trying to think about baseball. And do I go with Drew Smiley or Kevin Gaussman? I mean, it's like <laughs> flip a coin. That is the off-season excitement for the Giants. So either one's fine with me. See, I was expecting you to say that your Valentine has finally arrived in San Francisco. The guy you've been wanting them to get, Wilmer Flores, right? For how many years now? They got him for you, Grant. Happy Valentine's Day. They got him. You know, it, my job is very difficult. Uh, about November, I pull up a list of right-handed infielders and say, duh, like, which which one's got the power? Which one can play <laughs> second base? And, and Wilmer Flores looked like the right fit, and he makes me look smart. Once in offseason, I get to look smart, and Wilmer Flores, he's with the Giants, and I predicted it, and I'm just, I feel so darn smart. I feel smarter just being with you here today. Okay, so let's expand a little bit on Wilmer. A versatile infielder with some pop in his right-handed bat, but, but why was he, out of that list you pulled up, why was he the right fit for the Giants? If you're going to be the guy who's going to fit as the utility infielder slash starting second baseman slash, you needed to have a little bit of power. You needed to have something that the current middle infielders did not. And so if you're thinking about a Mauricio Dubon at second, Brandon Crawford at short, how are you going to compliment them? You want someone who can uh, be right-handed. And if there's going to be a, a tough left-handed pitcher on the mound, well, Brandon Crawford can sit. Now you've got Dubon at the shortstop and Flores at second. You can compliment if there is a need at Brandon Belch against a tough lefty. Maybe Flores starting at first. There's there's just a little bit more flexibility that the Giants have, and he gets that power. And he's not just a wild hacker. He has some bat control. He's able to hit for a little bit of average. So he fits pretty darn well. He was available for the Giants because I actually had someone DM me that Giants fans are patient. I'm not sure how patient they're going to be with his defense because his Mm. defense is rough. I, I know it's rough. 
It's rougher than I think I'm expecting, though. That's going to be something to watch for, but he can hit for a little average, hit for a little power. That That's all the Giants wanted. Okay. I'm excited about that. Thank you for clarifying why <laughs> you had loved Wilmer so much. Uh, Drew Smiley, why was he a good move by the organization other than, obviously, Grant, the fact that his last name will no doubt lead to either a new hat or some new costumes in the left field bleachers very soon? His name is a full, complete sentence, Drew Smiley. You, you Drew Smiley, and it's, it's very happy. <laughs> He's an interesting story because he was sort of like a, a hot young pitcher for most of the early part of the decade. He was a rookie in 2012, I think, and just sort of kept climbing, kept climbing, went from the Tigers to the Rays, kept climbing. His strikeout rate went up. He was really interesting profile. And after the 2016 season, he broke and broke into a million pieces. This isn't the kind of like Tommy John surgery that he's back the next year getting a few innings in September. He was gone totally until 2019. So he comes back in 2019. He's with the Rangers and he's as bad as a pitcher could be. And I'm not, that's not hyperbolic. He's as bad as pitchers have ever been over nine starts. He had an 8.42 ERA. He was just broken in a much different way. So he goes to the Phillies. He's better. And as the season progresses, he starts to look like the guy who was making sabermetricians cock their head and go, okay, this guy's special. He was that guy again, uh, maybe not to the same extent, but he started to look, you know, he had the fastball back, he was missing some bats. The only problem is that, you know, baseball's changed so much since he was like a viable part of a rotation. The last time he was really good was 2015, and that's before the rabbit ball, that's before baseball got homer happy. So, It's interesting to see, can this guy work as a pitcher in 2020 Mm. against a homer happy team? Or is he sort of like an anachronism? Is he just just a relic from the past that's not going to work? When you're in the giant spot, you want to take a chance on a guy who's going to be cheap with a little bit of a ceiling. And that's, that's what Smiley is. All right, Grant. Next up, Billy Hamilton. Ready, go. What you got? The most exciting acquisition of that particular day when he was uh, acquired. Uh, You know, it's when you've got a player like Billy Hamilton who has one very specific, or actually he has two, just like really specific skills that are top level. I mean, he's not going to hit, but he can run and he can field at a very, very high level. And you take a chance on those players on a minor league deal. You you bring them in. You you say, all right, we're going to look at you for a month. Have you learned how to hit? Can you at least fake it a little bit? I think that's the idea. It's never a bad idea to get a guy who at least has some baseball skills that other players in your organization might not have. And it's it's worth noting that he is a career 314 hitter against the Giants. He has dominated the Giants in his career. Wow. And that is, it just keep him away from other teams, I guess. Okay, Grant, we've waited long enough. Hunter Pence is back. And uh, this yes. one really surprised me, actually. Old front office, I totally get it. But help us understand why the new guys brought Hunter back to the Bay. I'm not entirely sure. It is easy to be cynical about it, to, to say, well, this is just fan service. This is the offseason where Madison Bumgarner left. You're bringing back an old friend to have people cheer when they come to the ballpark. You're, you're bringing back a familiar face to sell jerseys, stuff like that. 
But at the same time, he fills a very specific need. The Giants needed a right-handed hitting outfielder to quasi-platoon with Mike Yastrzemski and Alex Dickerson. They needed power off the bench. And like they said, you know, when they sorted the names, Pence's name was at the top of the list when it came to right-handed power, available outfielders who were in their price range. I don't know. You can make a baseball argument for it. You can make a nostalgia argument for it. You can make a cynical argument against it. But you can't deny that it at least fills pretty specific need for the Giants. So does this mean that your idea of bringing Yasiel Puig to San Francisco, which I know went over so well with so many fans, (laughs) does it mean that's off the table? Yes and no. (laughs) You know, I I go back and forth with it. I I think it it pretty much does. The Giants aren't going to want to. It's it's more... I think there's room for him to be a, the unquestioned starter in in right field. I, I think it makes the Giants a better team. But at this point, the Giants are going to be looking for opportunity cost where they're going to want to take a look at Jalen Davis. They're going to want to take a look at Dickerson and, and keep getting a look at Yastrzemski and, I don't know, Austin Slater and, and other young outfielders throughout the season. And if you have Puig and Pence on a 26-man roster, it's just fewer looks that you're going to give those outfielders. So... That's going to be more the concern. I, I still think he would make the team better and funnier and more watchable, uh, but probably not going to happen at this point. And if you haven't read Grant's article yet about Puig, you need to because I chuckled a number of times rereading it today. Speaking of the Dodgers, Grant, how did they swindle the Red Sox into that deal for Mookie Betts and David Price? Or did they not? It sure feels like a swindle to me. <laughs> It is a swindle. That lineup is just ungodly, what they've put together. And Mookie Betts is, it's not just like he's like this really pure, fun player to watch. You know, he he's my height. And if you've never met me, I, I'm, I'm not big. And like <laughs> Mookie Betts is like, he, you know, he's just like the classic baseball size and he's power and he's speed and he's defense and he's intelligence and he's you know fast twitch mechanics and he's everything you want in a baseball player and why the Red Sox would not want to keep him he's just barely 27 he's going to turn 28 in October and why you don't want to keep him for the next 10 years if you're the Red Sox and you just have Scrooge McDuck money that you can throw at him. (laughs) Why? What are you doing? Why are you going for payroll flexibility? This is the best player you've developed since Carl Yastrzemski. And I don't say that lightly because they've had, I guess they didn't develop Manny Ramirez, but you know, they've had a lot of good players since Yastrzemski. After Yastrzemski was Fred Lynn, uh, you know, they've had just a ton of talent go through there. And Betts is as good as anyone. He's not Mike Trout, but he's like a good 1B to Mike Trout. He's the Tim Raines to Ricky Henderson. And what are you doing? What are you doing? And so for the Dodgers to swoop in and you know it's it's not like they didn't give up anything but they gave up an outfielder with some sort of personality concerns Alex Vertigo is, is kind of a he has a reputation for being somewhere between hard-headed and, and something much worse than that I just don't see what the Dodgers gave up that they can't get back the lineup that they have is ridiculous yeah I was thinking the same thing when I looked it over earlier today L.A. has bets, generational talent, as you call him. And you mentioned him once already, and now you mentioned Carl. So the Giants, obviously not a orange-for-orange orange comparison, but the Giants have Mike Yastrzemski. 
20 bombs last year as a 28-year-old rookie. What are your expectations for Mike's sophomore season? You have to keep him modest. You can't think he's he's going to be the same player that he was last year where he's the best hitter on the team. And, and that speaks to what the Giants had as far as their lineup. But, you know, he was the best hitter on the team last year. But you can expect some home runs. You can expect maybe a little bit of average and just enough on base percentage to keep him viable in a lineup. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be like an all-star, but someone you want on your team, whether that's as a, a corner outfielder or someone who is maybe a fourth outfielder in a perfect lineup, he's still going to be someone you want. It, it, he was really the best story of last year. He'll continue to be a pretty good story this year, I think. I don't know if you sold me on the excitement this year, but I appreciate the honesty. <laughs> uh, who's this switch hitting catcher that you're so high on, Grant? Tell us about him. Oh, Tyler. Oh, boy. This is one of those things where it's the first time I've ever said his name out loud. Okay. Oh. Uh, Tyler Heineman. Heineman. Tyler Heineman. <laughs> He's a switch hitting catcher. He's uh, 28. He's going to be 29 this year. But he's kind of a unicorn in that you don't get a lot of switch hitting catchers. Switch hitting catchers are a manager's dream where they give you flexibility. You can rest Buster Posey against lefties or righties. You don't get that with a lot of catchers. I mean, Matt Wieters is one. Greg Zahn, when I was growing up, was was like a, another one. And you always just wanted, boy, I wish this bench had Greg Zahn. That's really nerdy for me to admit. Yeah, but like you want nerdy. like <laughs> that that's, that's that's up there. But you <laughs> want a switch hitting catcher because it gives you flexibility. And he hits a little bit. He hit in AAA last year. He hit in the minors before that. And also, if you check his, his social media feed, he does magic. He will sit everyone down in the clubhouse and he'll do magic tricks where he's like oh burning playing cards and writing people's names on the back of playing cards and then pulling them out of his nose or whatever. And <laughs> and uh, so he's, he's fascinating. He sounds like and the perfect giant. I'm just saying he'll, 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 he'll sneak up on you. And he is just sort of what the Giants should be looking for in a, in a backup catcher. And he projects really well based on the computers and all the nerd stats and all that. So what does that mean for Joey Bart? I think he's ticketed for later this season. The Giants don't have a history of playing games with service time. You know, the Cubs kind of gotten a little bit of hot water with Chris Bryant saying, oh, he needs to work on his defense. And then they bring him up in May when they get an extra year of arbitration. And it's like, wow, golly, his defense is perfect after a month. <laughs> it, like, I don't think they're they're in that sort of racket. They didn't do that with Buster Posey. They didn't do that with Tim Lincecum, certainly. They, they cost themselves millions with those two players. So assuming that everything is the same with ownership and, and what the front office can do, they'll bring Bart up when he's ready. And that's probably going to be in the middle of the season, toward the end of the season. If he starts raking right away, that might force their hand. But I could see them slow playing it a little bit. It, this isn't the season where they're going to want to throw him out there to the Wolves. This isn't 2010, where Buster Posey all of a sudden is just a, a monster in AAA, and the Giants are good and contending, and they say, oh, goodness, we need this guy right now. I don't think it's going to be that season, so they'll have a little bit of patience, but if he's hitting, he'll be up. You said a name for the first time, so I'll do the same. Kevin Gaussman. Did I get that right? Is it Gaussman? Another one I've never actually said out loud before this okay. podcast, but uh, yeah, I think so. I think that's I think that's how it is. Why do we need to learn how to say his name correctly before the season starts? <laughs> he is, you know, Eno Saris of of our fine network did a a ranking of starting pitchers 
And you know the Giants didn't necessarily fare too well. They don't they don't fare too well when it comes to how they're going to be. This is more of a fantasy baseball ranking, so they didn't they weren't like shooting up the charts with all their great starting pitchers. But Kevin Gausman was one of the ones who ranked pretty highly compared to the rest of baseball, and it's because of his stuff. Uh, so Eno is looking at stuff: the raw, the spin rate, the velocity, the break on his breaking balls. And Gossman has all of that. He has just a really good arm. He was a top prospect for the Orioles for a long, long time. And they were, like, really weird with him. You know, he was relieving. He was starting. He was—they didn't quite know what to do with him. And then right as it looked like he was getting to a new level— he would he would regress and they traded him to the Braves and then it looked like he was getting to a new level with the Braves and the next year he regressed and then they sent him to the Reds and he became this monster reliever with a fastball in the high 90s and that breaking ball was still there so there's a lot going on with him uh, there's a lot uh, you know Sean Anderson isn't the best comp but when Sean Anderson moved to the bullpen he also had that uptick in stuff so there's a floor for Kevin Gossman where if it doesn't work out in the rotation he he might be this year's Drew Pomerantz, where the stuff plays up in the bullpen. He can let himself go, let that fastball go, and he might have value to another team or to the Giants in the bullpen. Uh, but I think he's he's got a real good chance to be a solid, solid starter, especially with Oracle hmm. Park. Interesting. A couple more before we let you go, Grant. Barry Bonds is still not a Hall of Famer. How's the recent sign-stealing scandal, at least in your opinion, offered up maybe a new dose of perspective on that fact? All right, I'm, I'm going to try and parse my words carefully. But you don't have Barry, to do that. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know, don't know. But uh, Barry Bonds, what he was doing was what everyone else was doing. And that, that isn't to absolve him. That isn't to take away from the idea that he's taking physical risks that other players might not be willing to take, that his coworkers, his peers might not be willing to take, giving him an unfair advantage. And there's no way to sugarcoat that. It's not great. It's just not something that it's, it's, it's like it violates workplace ethics. But it's also equally distributed among all 30 teams. When he's in that epic battle with Eric Gagne, you know, they're both creations of modern chemistry mm-hmm. and it doesn't affect the Dodgers solely it doesn't affect the Giants solely it's not propping the Giants up it's just how baseball was and and when you look at at how Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa were fitted uh, back then and and how they were considered to be the saviors of baseball you have to put all that stuff into context when you're deciding to take performance enhancing drugs back in 1999 you're not thinking well how is this going to screw the game up how am i affecting my my peers you're thinking look at all the adoration those guys are getting i'm going to get some too this is how baseball is let's go let's let's do it and that doesn't make it right it just in the context of the time you get it Whereas with the Astros, that's one team saying, we've got this advantage. No one else does. Our swinging strike rate is going to go through the floor while everyone else in baseball is striking out more than ever. We have an obvious advantage. Let's go get it. And there's just a little bit difference between everyone else is doing it and we've got the secret sauce. Maybe that argument falls on deaf ears with you, but when it comes to Hall of Fame consideration... 
give me the player you can look at in the context of everyone else as opposed to this one particular player or team had an outsized advantage. And it's so interesting that on the heels of that scandal, Grant, that Dusty Baker and the toothpick of all people, (laughs) former Giants skipper, are headed to Houston to try to fix things. Why was so many teams like the Giants going young and new and fresh with their managers, Grant? Why is Dusty going to be the right fit for the Astros? I've never been in the clubhouse. I can't speak to what the modern manager really needs to do. I can only guess. I can only have an educated guess based on on everything I read, everyone I've talked to. But it, it sure seems to me like back in the day, you wanted your manager to be the strategic genius who was six chess moves ahead of everyone else. You wanted Earl Weaver, who could, you know, wait for a couple bloops and a blast, who was trying to get players on base, trying to play that uh, a power game when everyone else was doing the moving the runners all around. You wanted your manager to be a strategic genius. And Dusty Baker was never like a strategic manager who would make you go, oh, yes, he fits the sabermetric mindset. He's the guy who, who, who you're going to just trust to have all the right strategies. He was never that guy. He was always player manager is sort of I, I don't like that that phrase because it, it seems almost like it's placating. But he, he was someone who had the respect of everybody. He had the respect of his players, the front office, uh, the media. He, he was able to get guys through a long, long 162-game season and get them ready to play whenever they needed to do it. And maybe he would pull this guy when you know he was gassed or, or he would put this hitter at, at the leadoff spot when his on-base percentage didn't deserve it. But now a lot of those decisions are made by the front office. They're not made by the front office, but there's a lot of communication saying, this is your optimal lineup. You can play around with it. And in theory, you're not going to mess around with our chances too much by putting the worst hitter ninth and the best hitter first. But this is your optimal lineup. And if there's anything that Dusty showed with his time at the Nationals, it's that he listened. He wasn't running guys out there for 130 pitches. He wasn't, you know, bunting every inning when he got the chance. He was a very unnoticeable manager strategically, which is a big step up for him. He was not just not a guy where it's like, oh, that's Dusty Ball, all right. He's butting the guy over. He wasn't doing that. He was listening. So if you've got that, combined with the person who's still there, the person who garners all that respect, that's what the Astros need. They need a little bit of credibility. They need someone to to grab the clubhouse by the ears and sort of point them in the right direction. And that's what I think Dusty's going to do. Man, we covered a lot of ground today, Grant. Thanks for doing all of that. I can't wait to do this again. Yeah, absolutely. No, thanks for having me on. It was fun. Speaking of fun, a few other fun bits of news I thought were worth noting. Former Giants Gregor Blanco and Nick Hunley, well, they are trading in their spikes for jobs in the commissioner's office as senior directors of baseball operations. The 36-year-olds haven't formally announced their retirements, but this seems to be an indicator of just that. The White Shark and the 2017 Willie Mack Award winner, they're going to be liaisons to clubs, players, and umpires, be involved in discipline, rules, instant replay, and this is the cool one to me, youth baseball development in the United States and Latin America. And most importantly, I think the Gregor mentioned means that we need to hear this one more time. Here's the 3-2 pitch on the way, and it is driven to right center field. On the move, Blanco sprinting back. Gregor Blanco reaches out, diving! He caught it! What a play by Gregor Blanco! 
And that's when you start to think it might happen. Oh, yeah, the catch. Or, well, the other catch here in the Bay Area. They kept Caner's perfecto alive. Where were you when, right? We all remember where we were that night. Welcome back, baseball. Welcome back. Coming up in the next few weeks here on The Update. Well, it was one of the best stories other than that trip to the Super Bowl to come out of Santa Clara this year. 49ers offensive assistant Katie Sowers out and inspiring on Kyle Shanahan's staff. But the Trailblazers' path hasn't always been as accepting as she's found the Bay Area to be. Katie's journey through the eyes of her mom, Bonnie Sowers. We'll have that for you next week. And on our next show. Well, we talk Giants, so we are checking in on the green and gold and exploring why the aforementioned Nick Hunley told Susan Slusser he thinks Oakland's got a shot to win it all this season. We'll do that check-in with one half of our A's podcast crew, the Seamheads, Ted Ramey, on Monday. All right, that's your update for today. Thanks to KNBR for the sound. If you're enjoying the podcast, as always, we'd love for you to rate, review, subscribe. Your support really does mean a lot to us here at the Athletic Podcast Network. For Brian, Tanika, all of us here at The Update, I'm Kate Scott. Thanks for listening. Hope you all have a great weekend. We'll talk to you again on Monday.